Pedersen, oh, it's 1-0 Blues! What a header that is! Christian Pedersen with a bullet header! It's then floated towards the back post, Jukovic in there, Jukovic! Oh, what a header! This man is on red-hot form at St Andrews at the moment. And it goes again towards the towering Zigic. All confusion at Martin, and surely scored the winning goal for Birmingham City! Hello and welcome back to the Blues Talk podcast with Dale Moon and myself, Callum Denny. In the middle of a fantastic run of form, an unbeaten February, should I say, a February with a 100% record. Nottingham Forest, Coventry City, Bristol City and Barnsley have all been overcome by the mighty blue machine. We'll be discussing that and more. And we're joined by centre-half Jake Clark's Ultra as well. It's all on the way here on the Blues Talk podcast. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Well, Dale, we sit here in the middle of a fantastic February so far. 100% record. Oh, that was the most energetic intro I think I've ever heard. I think there's a lot of energy around the place, Dale. From the stadium where we are now to the training ground, the fans, Birmingham, Alabama. We'll come on to that later. The energy is at an all-time high. <laughs> you feel the excitement. I have just had some sugar before doing this. So, I mean, that has probably helped. You know what? Quite within your rights to be as excited as you are. It's been um, a really good week, hasn't it? Ten days now extended with that Barnsley result on Tuesday night. And, uh, yeah, good to see that the mood around the place lifted. We're, we're slowly but surely cementing our place in the division, first and foremost, for another year. And then... It's a case of how far up the division we can creep. But you look at it now, we're 14 to play. Uh, there's a sizable gap between ourselves and the bottom three. So you can tick this one nearly off the list. I know it's not done just yet, but you'd be confident, given our run of form, the way we're playing, that we're steering clear of danger. And then the big question is, how far can the team go? Well, as I was about to say, do we want to talk points? Because looking at the table now, I make it, what, 13 points from relegation from memory? Okay. Well, look, 30, yeah, 13 points from relegation. However, looking the other way, seven points from a playoff berth at mm-hmm. the moment. And I know Pep, as he did post Barnsley, will kind of want to play it down. He won't want to pay too much heed to that fact. But considering people were talking about a relegation battle a few weeks ago with the same sort of points difference, it's not beyond the realms of possibility to be uh, having these conversations, is it? Weirder things have happened. Uh, the one thing that you do have to say is there's a lot of teams in the mix. It's, you know, the, the points gap is one thing, but the sheer number of teams that will all be saying the same thing at this time of the season uh, makes it difficult. And if we're in, if we're being honest, it's not really been on our agenda because of where we found ourselves Absolutely. at various times this yeah. season. So I don't think we want to get ahead of ourselves just yet. Enjoy this fantastic run of form. Uh, and it sets it up perfectly for a really tough game against Brentford. You know, you know we've come through, you know, back to the Forest and Bristol City games, two teams that were both in form heading into this one. They were. It felt like a, like a pivotal moment, a pivotal week in the season to 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 limp through. You have to say the the FA Cup tie in between as well, just to keep the momentum going. Now starting to win games is one thing. Saying an unbeaten run, it's three wins on the spin for the first time this season. So, enjoy the positivity. We're going into the last couple of months of the season now, hopefully steering clear of danger. And let's just see if we can build something and enjoy the running um, with a view to obviously looking at relooking at it again in the summer. Now, before we come on to those matches that we've had in February so far, I just want to pay attention to something that the, FL, the EFL sorry, tweeted the other day. Quite interesting. The gap between first and second in the Premier League 
is the exact same as the gap between first and 21st in the championship. It's ridiculous. That's how tight the league is. Yeah, and you know, with the poor form of West Bromwich Albion and Leeds over the past you know, month, six weeks, it's tying things right up at the top of the division as well. That The midsection is the one for me that so many teams will be saying, I'm sure, up and down the country, oh, if we put a good run together, we could challenge for a top six spot here. Um, but by the same token, they can't all do it. And yep. teams will be beating each other. So uh, it makes for a fantastic showdown. I mean, we're still all waiting to see who's going to cement the, the top two spots, who's going to take the playoff berths. Uh, but for us, I just think, you know, we, we found ourselves at the wrong end of the table, a little flirting a little bit with that bottom three. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the fact that we're pulling away from it. A season should be safe. Uh, it would be so blues if it wasn't, but our season theoretically should be safe. Uh, so let's just continue this this great run and enjoy the the feel good factor that that we have now. You know, every day you can just feel it at the training grounds when you come in. Players are in a great mood. Management staff. Uh, it just gives the whole place a lift when you're enjoying a good run like this. Absolutely. Now, if we want to pinpoint the exact moment that feel good factor kind of came into place, I think we go back to the Nottingham Forest match and two minutes. Mm of absolute madness. But 1-0 down to Nottingham Forest. Strong start from them. Uh, they get awarded a penalty. Now, looking back, still not entirely sure. Some people are saying it was handball by uh, Josh McEachran. Other people are saying a foul by Lee Camp. We couldn't quite make it out at the time, but penalty given. Lewis Graben steps up to take it, and, well, the rest is history. Yeah, it's, it's like you quite rightly say, it sparks a minute of absolute carnage because Lee Camp makes the save, does his homework and, you know, it's a comfortable save really. It's a nice height for Lee Camp, but you still have to make it. Blues race down the other end and Scott Hogan's there to turn in. On his debut. Uh, his first Blues goal uh, from close range, exactly what we've been after. Someone who's on the move in the penalty area, feeding off Lukas Jukovic, turning it home from close range and it brought the place to life because it felt... You, know, you go behind to a side, <clears throat> if I remember rightly, are the second best uh, team on their travels this mm -hmm. year. Uh, you know they've got good players. Cash and Lolly down the right hand side will, will be a match for any uh, any team in the division. Uh, grab them will score your goals, but to uh, that that sixty seconds just flipped the game on its head for me, and then the momentum swung firmly in Blues' favour. Yeah, so from that league campaign to save, obviously take the lead. Second half, I I mean, I was almost going to say do the unthinkable because it just seemed like it was one of those games, didn't it, before the penalty save, but second off, we go and win the thing. Yeah, that, 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 but that's just typical Blues. I think when you look at how Blues have been this year, we've gone behind in games far too often, um, but at the same time, as soon as you get that equaliser, you always then fancy Blues. Mm -hmm. um, Wind in our sails. Yeah, just, especially at home, you know, the, the crowd are brought to life with that save and getting the equaliser so soon. Um, but you still have to go and compete in the second half. And we did match them. It could have gone either way still. I mean, Graben's had a fantastic chance. He's clipped the top of the crossbar. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a couple cleared off the line. Harley Dean clears one off the line. Who had a fantastic game, you have to say. Um, but it's Blues that end up bundling one home from close range. Christian Pedersen runs away in celebration. Not too long before they consult the assistant on the near side. Alberto Escobar gets a yellow card <laughs> in the process. Yeah, races down the touchline to, to uh, get in the face of the assistant referee. But thoroughly deserved from Blues. And uh, that really seemed to spark what's been a fantastic 10 days or so. One promotion contender dismissed at St Andrews. We then move to Friday Night Football under the lights at Ashton Gate. 
Bristol City away. Happy hunting ground for Blues in recent years. Yeah, yeah, we've done really well there. I, th I remember the. I think I remember doing the research and the stats there of winning so many games and. Um, I mean, there's some memorable matches as well. The Shea Adams one to keep us up on the Unbelievable. following day. Yeah, it was great. We always seem to enjoy playing there. It's a big pitch. The surface, the playing surface is what struck me when you're down at pitch side. Fantastic. It's a carpet there still, even at this stage Mammoth of the season. Mammoth as well, by the way. Yeah, and even with the fact that they have rugby played on their pitch as well. So, uh, credit to the ground staff. And it made for a really good game of football. Um, nightmare start. Has to be said, Mark Roberts holds his hand up, and afterwards he had a good smile at it. But at the time, I'm sure he wanted the ground to swallow him up. Uh, Jamie Patterson, to his credit, gambles very early mm. for Bristol City. 40 seconds into the game, both trying to just dominate. There's a high intensity, a good tempo to the to the opening exchanges. Uh, obviously, Mark Roberts looks to to go back to his goalkeeper, and Jamie Patterson gambles very early. The pass is under hit, and it's the perfect storm. Uh, a touch around Lee Camp, and we're one nil down in the mm -hmm. opening minutes. So then you start to think. Oh, well, the Forest game was a full storm. The Cub fixture, of course, yep. now fell flat on its face and it's back to back to the Blues. But since ever since that goal was conceded, Blues were sublime. The next half hour was firmly Blues's. Up until the half hour mark, when we eventually took the lead, I thought we were much the better team. We Fantastic passages of play. We used the, the whip for the pitch. Little triangles. Jeremy Bayer was lively. It was um, Blues at their best, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was... It was it was a joy to watch and even before we'd equalised you know we're up in the gantry and we're looking at each other and you just sense that we were doing alright here and you don't want to be over critical mm -hmm. of a team because they're behind they were actually pl playing really well and managed to turn the game on its head yeah well we'll come back to that Coventry Cup game in a moment but the rest of the Bristol City game Scott Hogan that's the poacher that we signed isn't it absolutely they're in those tight spaces with the keeper he's functioning between the goalposts which is where mm -hmm. you want your number nine to be always on the move you know it's a little burst across the goalkeeper just to offsite him initially he can only bat it down into a, an awkward area and he, and he prods it home into the bottom corner um, but that's where you want him to be working you know he's on the move and that's the thing that's probably impressed me is Scott Hogan's movement his runs are very intelligent mm -hmm. he never lets the defenders have a minute's rest he's always playing on the shoulder working channels and for that goal you know you can say oh he's got a tad fortunate in the fact that the goalkeeper just batted it down but one he's made the run across the defender to, to just put the goalkeeper off and secondly he still has a presence of mind to tap it in two and two and a dream start for him in uh, life at Blue. and that was one of the things we got from Scott Hogan from that match wasn't it just noticing his runs he was almost a half step ahead of his teammates at times, wasn't he? Yeah, so it was definitely something in the first half that was clearly noticeable and he was getting frustrated, sometimes throwing his hands up a little mm -hmm. bit at his fellow teammates because he was getting caught offside regularly in that first half. But it wasn't because his runs were too early. The passing was just a little bit too slow for him. So the, the, the passes are on, but we're so not used to having a player who's on the shoulder and always you know, running that fine line between offside and, and the last man. Uh, that we were taking that additional touch, we were taking that, that split second too long to find him, by which time he was caught offside. So I think that will come. <coughs> Sadly, I think we're going to run out of games, but you'd love to have seen Scott Hogan in a full season yep. in a blue shirt because that will come over time. You'll get used to his qualities and playing to those qualities. And also he'll get used to his teammates as well and may check those runs a little bit. But it was a clear feature of that first half at Bristol that Scott Hogan is exactly what this football club's been missing. So Scott Hogan gets the equaliser and then... From a well-worked free-kick routine, Cross comes back in. It's one Andreas Weimann. Yes, it is. With the header. How brilliant is that? <laughs> what a result. Jude Bellingham with the delivery. 
Uh, yeah, lovely teasing ball because it's in behind the back line. So now their body shape's all over. Yep. They never want to be in a position where they're, they're turning towards their own goal. He's stretching for it, those beach blonde locks of his, and beautifully directs the ball into the bottom corner. Great much header. To, much to his, uh, his dismay. So, yeah, I mean, the, the only shame was that the travelling Blues fans were at the wrong end of the, the pitch to give him some stick. But it puts Blues ahead, and you have to say it was deserved. And, you know, to turn the game around within half hour, uh, was a real good sign of the resilience about them. And Mark Roberts, in particular, uh, makes that individual error. Mm-hmm. Now, a year ago, 18 months ago, two years even, that Mark Roberts folds. Head but dropped. his confidence now, having had a run in the team, and the season that he's had, it didn't phase him. Jake mm-hmm. Clark sort of... No, it's not Jake Clark sort of... Is it Maxim Collins says to him afterwards, listen, get your head up. Yep. And he was... He did not put a foot wrong for the rest of the game. Absolutely. So, strong first half performance. Second half, come back out. Bristol City, Organs Blazer. Yeah, well, exactly what you'd expect from the home side. They were obviously, you know, they had a chance to go third with a win. Um, three points beyond top at the time. Uh, g- gave it a good go. I think there was not much in the first 15, 20 minutes of that second half. But then they had a real dominant spell. 15, 20 minutes later, taking you up towards the, the last 10 minutes is where they really put us under some pressure. Uh, Wes Harding and Harley Dean were thrown on just to stem the tide a little bit, head and kick things. They, they went a little bit direct, looking for, for Mara Juju, who is a big frame, mm-hmm. got himself awkward. He's all elbows and arms, and he's difficult to play against. But the big chance goes begging when uh, Ashley Williams lifts one in behind the Blues' back line, Juju chests and Lee Camps in his face. He races off his line, and just, I think, in the corner of Juju's eye, he knows that there's something coming towards yeah. him. Lean backs and, and lifts the effort over the crossbar, and from that point... Blues see out the game really well and protect Lee Camp. I mean, we came away after the game saying, well, I don't think he's had a save to make, much to the credit of yeah. the back line. So, it's Lee Camp involved then in the third goal. Goal kick, sent long, and the strength from Lukas Jukovic. What a way to bring up your 100th goal. Unbelievable. Uh, he's the best of Lukas Jukovic and... Um, yeah, Lee Camp, I think, playing for time a little bit, takes his time with the clearance, booms one into the air. Uh, in, uh, Lukas Jukovic bumps Williams, continues his run, bumps the substitute, I forget his name, the substitute centre-half, right back. Alone from uh, Leicester. Yeah, he uh, bumps him out the way as well and uh, then produces an absolute moment of finesse to lift it beyond the goalkeeper on the angle I mean, Gary Gardner told us after the game, he's seen him do that a few times in training. I'll hold my hands up. Juki, I love you. I've never seen him no. do that before. And whether I'll see him do that again, I'm not too sure. But I don't want to take nothing away from the finish. It was a sublime finish. He stood there, didn't he? Nonchalantly looked at the blue support and then barked away in celebration. But 100 goals for him, made up for him. He's Mr. Birmingham City at the moment, Lukas Jukovic. Everything good about the football club, the way he conducts himself on and off the pitch, the influence he has in the dressing room. A model pro, but that's a proper forward, centre-forward goal. What a man. From there, onto another team in red. In slightly... I don't know how to describe the conditions from... As torrid. we talked last night, torrid. There was snow, there was rain, hail, sleet. Northern. Everything but sun. Grim, horrible, grey. It was sleet, Drab. hail, wind. I mm. uh, felt sorry and full credit to those that travelled up because, uh, you know, that is a miserable evening up in uh, in Yorkshire. And uh, not much football was played, it has no. to be said. Uh, you know, Barnsley scrapping for their lives. There were eight points adrift. Dr- drawn a lot of games, Barnsley. They haven't managed to see out games because of mm-hmm. individual errors. And, the, I mean, the first half is one to forget. The only shining light was the fact that Jude Bellingham has that much of a, a storming 
uh, half from the right hand side that their fullback gets gets taken off. He gets pulled, which is twenty five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, when you get hooked before half hour, you know you've had a stinker. Yeah. So fair play to Jude on on that note. But not much football being played. They had a few pot shots from range, playing with the wind behind them. Uh, but Lee Camp makes routine saves that you'd mm-hmm. expect him to make. We were hoping for for something different after the break, but it was more of the same. No, I think the conditions very much against both sides, but. It's a moment of magic from that man again, the Aston Villa loney, mm. Scott Hogan. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, in commentary, paid tribute to the, the role that Jude Bellingham had. Mm. Um, to Perseverance, chase down. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's just a hooked ball forward. I think Gardner plays it uh, down towards the corner and the fullback has a little look over his shoulder and almost says to the centre-half, go on, then you deal with it. Neither of them actually deal with the ball that's trickling out of play. And Jude Bellingham breezes past one red shirt, continues to just keep it marginally in play. And then he's got three yellow shirts to, to pick out. Now he rolls it towards Scott Hogan, who still has loads to do here, by the way. Because in which time, Barnsley have got a man behind mm-hmm. the ball. So you've got Scott Hogan back to goal with a defender marked tightly to him. But it's the two touches he takes with his right foot actually just create yeah. that half yard of space when you watch it back again it's a touch to control and very quickly shifts it again in one movement almost it's so fluid and smooth touch touch and an absolutely rifles one doesn't even need to look up in the process that is a proper sharpshooter in the box at his best and uh, I mean the roar that went up when it went in even from the commentary box because we're at that funny angle where you're not sure if that's going to hit the corner flag or the back of the net goes right across goal and nestles into the corner fantastic finish player for of confidence and uh, it's a game that we felt one goal would settle it and what a goal it was tell you what being at the back I was on camera right at the back of that away end Mm. on Tuesday night and the roar you just mentioned when it went in unbelievable the away end shaking Shout out to the uh, the chap stood in front of me. He managed to get his phone in the shot, by the way. Celebrating all over the gaff. (laughs) I think that summed up the relief when that ball hit the back of the net. Limbs everywhere. Yeah, it was that because it was a horrible game to watch. You know, they paid good money to be there. They've travelled up to a couple of hours up to Yorkshire to watch it after work. It wasn't much entertainment. In terms of a footballing spectacle, there was absolutely nothing there. And it's not a critique of either side. It just wasn't conducive conditions to yeah. play any sort of football. Now, actually, to Barnsley's credit, they tried to do that in the first half. They were finding little pockets of space and kept the ball on the deck. And we weren't as good at coping with it. But I thought the back line... Never look threatened. I mean, you look at Mark Roberts, Jake Clark sort of back there, headed everything. Christian Pedersen, I mean, find me a better fullback in the division. Or, or you'd, Maxim Collins, well, the, yeah, the, the only other one's on the <laughs> right hand side. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that was a big plus to record the first clean sheet since 22nd of October against Blackburn. Far too long for a team who can boast that back four. So pleased for them, as well as the two in front of them, Gary Garner and Ivan Sunic, who have now developed a bit of a partnership in the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Two energetic, dogged midfielders who can do a bit of everything. Their passing's very crisp. Yeah. They've got the energy to get around the park. They both love a challenge. And in Gary Gardner, we're seeing a central midfielder who's now taking the game to another level and yeah. bursting and Those driving charges forward. forward. Yeah. It's his anticipation, and I think that comes with experience. When the ball's midair, he's already on the move. Yeah. So as soon as that first header's won, he's on the he's always he's already moving towards yeah. the ball to whisk it away from a flat-footed midfielder for the opposition. But um, yeah, defensively, very very solid on uh, on Tuesday night. Hard to believe it's been so long since our last clean sheet, isn't it? I mean, we're going to speak about it with Jake Clark Zulter in a moment, but for how strong. That defensive unit is that's the it. biggest belief. Yeah, that's it. And you know, we discuss in the in the, in the chat we have with Jake about man for man. That's a, a solid Blues backline. Admittedly, we've not had them at all state together at all stages yeah. of the season. I'd like to see 
how many games those four have played together in succession mm-hmm. or even in the season as a whole. Um, but yeah, to go, what's that, two, three, three and a half months yeah. without a clean sheet uh, in the league, uh, very surprising. They've been unfortunate. There's been a couple of poor refereeing decisions uh, to go along the way, but that back four should be keeping more clean sheets and hopefully we can record a few more in the remaining 14 games. Well, we'll talk about, you mentioned first clean sheet in the league. We'll talk about our cup run in just a moment. But first, let's hear from one of those back four. Jake Clark-Salter joins us here on the Blues Talk Podcast. The Blues Talk Podcast. Jake, thanks for taking the time out to chat with us here on uh, on Blues Talk. Um, I know you're on your way home, so thank you for popping <laughs> in. Uh, mate, it's just a good time to talk to you, I suppose, at the minute. I mean, we're in the midst of a good run. Uh, it's been a fantastic week when you go back to the Forest game, but I think that coincides with your return to fitness as well. So I just wanted to get your thoughts first of all on on your, your playing time really at the club this this year and particularly this this latest little run. Yeah, obviously at the the start of the season I wasn't happy. Obviously I wasn't wasn't playing, and uh, obviously I thought I deserved to to play. Obviously I just had to show the manager that every day in training just keep working hard and just wait for my opportunity. And I feel like I've I've done well since all in the games I've played and yeah, I'm just happy to be playing regular football now. What's that like, mate, where you feel like you're chomping at the bit but all you can do is, is keep impressing? Do you just have to do the right things and, and hope that you, you do get your chance? Yeah, definitely, but obviously it's, it is difficult at the same time. I'd be lying if I said it was easy. Mm. Obviously, everyone wants to play football, no matter where you are, mm. you are who you are, you just want to play. And I, and I came to Birmingham to, to play games, so... Yeah, it was very frustrating at the start. But as I said, I just kept working hard every day in training. And when the opportunity came, I just had to take it. I suppose you'd want that from a player. Like, like you said, no matter who you are, if you lose that hunger to be playing games, you're in the wrong industry, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, yes. That's, that's the thing. You just got to work hard every day and just take the opportunity when it comes. Is that something that's kind of been instilled in you in your previous loan spells, that perseverance? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, sometimes things haven't gone, gone my way in football, see, with my injuries and... Uh, yeah, difficult times, red cards and stuff in my early career. And uh, now I just think I've overall just matured on and off the pitch as well. And I'm just ready to yeah, just take, take the next step in my in my game. You're, you're in a fantastic run of form and then we go to Reading and put in a, a great display. But for you, for you, unfortunately, you take a tumble. Take us back to what happened because it's such bad time and you're in the middle of probably your best form for the club at the time. Yeah, I was, I was playing well at the time. Then, obviously, it's my luck. I just I dislocated <laughs> my shoulder. But... Um, yeah, as I said, I recovered in about three weeks, which is really quick for me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be back playing. I wear a hefty shoulder brace now. <laughs> Why is, you, is that what you have under, underneath you? Yeah, yeah, you think you can see it as I'm playing. It's just right. some, some massive brace. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy now to be back playing. Just long may it continue, really. Was that a trip, mate? Or was it just you trying to step in and then... No, the guy, the guy took me out. He swiped <laughs> my legs. I was stepping forward and he, and he swiped my legs and I just felt awkwardly and it just popped up. You know straight away that... Yeah, like it was weird. Like it didn't, it didn't hurt at first, but I just knew it was out. I could just yeah. feel it. it was just weren't in the right place. I thought you was holding your wrist. Yeah. I remember being on commentary thinking, I don't know if he's fell on his wrist or his or his arm. Just trying to hold my arm. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Was just out. Of front. And did it go straight back in? No, they couldn't get in for like an hour or so. Oh, I had to go to the hospital like? to get in. Yeah, it's, pay- it's painful. Yeah, <laughs> it's painful. not for me. That sounds wild. Yeah. What was the worst part of that? Then the injury or the actual setback? Because as we said, you just kind of made the shirt your own. Yeah. And for that to happen at that time, I think I think the as you said there, the, I just I just got into the teams mm-hmm. playing well. I think that that me was the main thing. That's why I wanted to come back as quick as 
possible. So I was, I was stressing at that really. That was the the main thing rather than the actual injury itself. Yeah. Have you taken any bumps on it since? You know, you always think when a player comes back from injury, it needs to have a little bang on it. Yeah, just first to game. <laughs> first game. I think was, was it Blackburn, which I only trained once before, and I was straight back in. But yeah, as I say, that's the best way to get over it. it just yeah. go straight into a game. Yeah. Um, what's changed in recent weeks, mate? I mean. We had a tough period over the Christmas period where we couldn't get by a result. But since then, we seem to have turned a bit of a corner. From a playing point of view, what's been the difference? I think, uh, you see, throughout the whole season, we've had an identity and uh, the way we play. And sometimes we've just been a bit unlucky, I think, for, like with maybe individual mistakes. I think we've cut, cut a lot of them out now. And, mm. yeah, obviously the team's very close as well. There's a real togetherness in the team. And... Yeah, at the moment we're enjoying a good run of form and as I said, just long may it continue. It's crazy how no one really talks about fixture congestion and how many games you play when you're winning games. As a player, do you just feel like you're ready to roll out? I know your legs might be tired, but do you want the the next game? Yeah, when you're winning, obviously you just want to keep playing and playing and playing. Mm. Obviously for me as a young player as well, I want to play as many games as I can, so I'm just relishing the chance to do that. Yeah, look at the calibre of the team, especially when you go back to Forest and Bristol Mm. City. Forest are the second best away uh, record in the division going into that that game, and then Bristol City as well are in a fantastic run of form. Hadn't conceded in four games. That seemed like a statement last week, just that you can mix it with the, the top teams, and even the defeats to, to Leeds and West Brom over Christmas. They're marginal Bad games. Mm. So actually, it just probably goes to show that the championship is much of a muchness, and we're not that far away from being a, a decent team at this level. No, definitely not. Obviously, in the championship, anyone can beat anyone on the day. Uh, yeah, but we're a good side, and obviously, I feel like. We should be higher than we are, mm. but obviously that's down to us and what we need to improve on as a team. But I feel like, yeah, hopefully we now we can keep uh, the run going and just keep progressing. We sit here, sorry, Cal. It's all right. Uh, having recorded the first clean sheets, it's mid-October, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Good to get that finally on the email. Yeah, finally, finally. In the league, obviously, we had one a few weeks ago at Coventry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, now in the league, yeah, it's nice to, to finally get that clean sheet. Horrible game to watch. Yeah. How weird was that, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the best game to play in either, to be honest. <laughs> the, the weather, wind, the just, weather. Yeah. As I said, those those are the games which keep you in a vision or get you promoted, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, it was just, uh, just dug deep, got the clean sheet and the win. Great finish by Scotty as well. Mm. I think one thing that will impress supporters about you is you look at Europe bringing through the Chelsea ranks and you are a ball player and you're clearly comfortable with the ball at your feet, but you've been able to demonstrate the other side of the game. In the latter stages, uh, Bristol, you think... Yesterday, uh, the, the 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 game at, at Barnsley, for ninety minutes it was a dogged, scrappy, horrible game to watch. But you've got that other side to your game, which is a twenty-two-year-old centre half. I don't think many will have. Do you, have you always had both sides to to being a centre half? Uh, I guess at, at Chelsea, obviously, you never really had them situations as we always used to control the games and stuff. Obviously, see, I've gone away now and I've had different experiences. Obviously, in the Championship in Holland getting roughed up as a young boy at 17, 18 then obviously at the technical side last year at, at Holland so yeah as I said I'm more mature now uh, I'm able to deal with different different situations and as, as I said I'm just relishing the chance to play hmm. any, any games you look back on where you did get roughed up is there any in your early sort of stage yeah. where you think Whoa. when I was at Bristol Rovers when I was 17 yeah. I broke my arm in one of the games literally just from obviously the physical challenge <laughs> really? it was against Charlton actually or was that just get got caught? Or was oh, you fall my own keeper done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, my own keeper done it. He took, <laughs> took me out. No <laughs> prisoners. Yeah. Nice. Um, what are we? Fourteen games left. Fourteen games to go. 
Yeah. What is the aim? I mean, Pep, we spoke to Pep after the game last night and it was just, he's very game by game. The manager line is, we don't look further than Brentford on Saturday. From a player's point of view, do you, do you care to look at the, the division? Do you have a look at how far away we are both over our shoulder and, and what's above? Yeah, I, f- I think you'd be lying to say he wasn't looking mm-hmm. at uh, where you are on the table. But as I said, game by game with us, day by day. Mm. As, uh, as I said, we just need to keep progressing now and just keep playing, or hopefully keep playing well. That's what we've been doing at the moment. Keep grinding the results and obviously who knows what will happen. Yeah, be a good one on um, on Saturday when you look at Brentford, the way they play. Could be a, a completely different test you'd expect to, to what we had at, mm-hmm. at Barnsley. Yeah, obviously they're, they're a very good side. Obviously one of the best in the division. So we're just looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll, we'll put on a good show for the fans and hopefully get the result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go over your career. Jake, just take us right back to the very beginning. Obviously he was at Chelsea as a kid, but even pre Chelsea, how did you start kicking a ball and where did you fall in love with football? Uh, I think, if you believe it or not, my first word was ball. So I used to roll it with my grandma when I was like a little baby, <laughs> really? innit? So yeah, I just used to, just always had a ball at my feet and I just, with a little football and that. Then, yeah, I played Sunday League for a few years. Then I got um, scouted by Fulham. So I went there, then there for a season and I went to Chelsea. But I was a striker back in the day. So oh, really? Yeah, I was scoring goals and that. Until what age? It's just not been I think the last time I played like wing was probably about 14. So not too long ago, really. Yeah. Then I got moved back to, to left back and shit. It just, it just kept shoving me back. So That's unbelievable. <laughs> to think that, yeah, now you... you Leading know, the line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah unbelievable. Um, everyone will look at your time at Chelsea. Take us inside the Chelsea Academy. They've been so dominant in terms of youth team football over the past few years. What makes being at that club as a young player so special? I think just the the constant winning. Obviously, the the team I was lucky to grow up in. We had a lot of big big names now, that, uh, and obviously, yeah, very good team. Mm. So we yeah, we won a lot, really, really a lot to be mm. fair. Like youth Champions Leagues, youth cups, leagues. So yeah, it was good experience. Obviously, to to come through the academy there. But as I said, now I'm just relishing the chance to to play first team football, and I want to want to yeah, just progress in that way. You won the Youth Cup three times in a row, didn't you? The FA Youth Cup. Yeah, I won it three years in a row. How important is that to like development of young players? I think uh, we built a winning mentality there. Obviously, just wanting to win, always going like no remorse. Obviously, that's that's positive as well. But obviously, when you step into the real world in men's football, that can also be a, a shock to you as well. Mm. I think that's maybe what I struggled with in my earlier years. Obviously, always used to winning. Yeah playing nice football then going into league football where it's completely different mm-hmm. yeah. so I think them early loans where it might not have gone well for me is definitely part of my way now as, as more mature and ready for the next step yeah I suppose you have to go from being a player who's especially as a centre half so used to watching what happens up in front of you mm-hmm. to being on the back foot drawing games you should win losing games dealing with adversity you just haven't had to deal with as an academy player I think mm-hmm. probably the biggest jump for Chelsea players will be the psychological challenge of playing men's football and not being as dominant yeah definitely I think uh, I needed that that reality check mm. like when I was younger obviously um, at the Bristol Bristol I was playing well then obviously took an injury then that ruled me out for most of the season then I went to Sunderland was playing well two back to back red cards <laughs> so that was something which will now always stay with me. Yeah. You'll be the guy up in the North East who got sent off back yeah, to that game. Yeah, exactly. So obviously I've, I've learnt from that now mm. and obviously that, that mentally toughened me up as well. Mm. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm in a way I'm grateful for them loans, even though they didn't go the way I wanted to. Mm. But for me personally, it's definitely matured me and enabled me to just keep that narrow focus yeah. to just keep progressing. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you need playing League One football at the age of seventeen and developing that kind of toughness. Yeah, I think everyone's different, but obviously in my position as centre back, it's a bit. Oh, I wanted to go out and experience. I could have stayed in the comfort zone and just mm-hmm. been around the the squad of the first team, but I wanted to go out and just experience that the real football, really, mm. just real men's football. Yeah. Do you think now you've had the experiences, both good and bad, you'd recommend that to young players? You know, the next one that comes through at Chelsea, 17, 18, having had your experiences, is that something that you then encourage more players to do? Yeah, I guess. But obviously, now at Chelsea, it might be a bit different with the manager who's yeah. there for young players. At the time, obviously, we had... a. Uh, like managers who never didn't really used to to play much youth, so obviously people are getting more chances now, which is good for the academy. Yeah, um, talk about those loans. I mean, first of all, you've made one Premier League appearance, four yeah. 0 victory over Aston Villa of all teams, which yeah, is Aston Villa. fantastic. When we were looking up a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> what's that like? I mean, it's a flat last fifteen minutes. You got thrown on. The game yeah. seemed to be all done and dusted, but it must be in a proud moment for you and, and your family. Yeah, definitely proud, proud moment, proud, proud moment coming on for Chelsea. Obviously, my boy, my boyhood club, mm. growing up. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, that I would have wished there would have been more, <laughs> but. Um, as I said, now I'm just focusing on Blues and stuff and just looking forward to just playing the rest of the season here. You then go, as you've already mentioned, to Bristol Rovers, got roughed up a little bit, but uh, apart from the injury, it's a great experience to go away at such a young age and play at that sort of level where football is completely different to what you'd experience. Yeah, completely, completely different. Yeah, I, I was really enjoying it up until my injury. Obviously, mm. I thought I was doing re- I was doing well as well. Then, obviously, when you come back with a long injury, it's always hard to get back into that rhythm. Mm. I only had a few games left towards the end of the season so it wasn't not, uh, much really but um, then I went straight into under 20 World Cup from there so that was also good because we won that so yeah Sunderland what's it like being followed around by cameras what was the whole what was that like because we've only seen obviously the Netflix series yeah. from a viewing point of mm. view when you're inside the club were the cameras there every training session or every game What? how, how much pretty, access pretty, did that pretty much yeah obviously I, I went in January then um, I didn't know about the Netflix thing until mm. I got there <laughs> So yeah, it was a bit Keep of a shock. Under wraps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a shock. But um, as I said at the start, I was I was really enjoying just playing. Then obviously I got the two sending offs. Then uh, that was difficult for me, and obviously the team was in a difficult position as mm. well. So yeah, it was a, a big, big learning learning factor for me. What were those red cards for? Uh, one straight red with a tackle and the second one when I came back was two yellows was it a red when you look back at it have you seen yeah, it yeah probably a red. <laughs> <laughs> was it just a high late yeah just a just a, just a firm challenge <laughs> just eager to go and win the ball yeah I yeah so I said young, young uh, yeah, wanting yeah. to win the ball maybe over, committing too much <laughs> to the cause but yeah was it, Sunderland sorry Dad, yeah. kind of a lesson in dealing with adversity because of course they were Expecting to almost win every game in the championship yeah, when they I came think down. They just got just got uh, relegated from the Prem. So yeah, I got a call from the manager a couple of days before. Like obviously, he persuaded me to go there. Um, yeah, and as I said, I was I was looking forward to just going there and playing. And as I said at, at the start, I was really enjoying it. And obviously, mm. after the red cards, it was a bit difficult for me to for me- mentally as well. I think. Yeah, how hard is that when you're at a club where expectations are so high 
but you're at the wrong end of the table. I can imagine Sunderland being as insular as it is. You know, mm. It's a big club within the town. You just can't get away from the football side of things. As a young player, is it tough to take? Does that actually can it make an impact on you when results aren't going anywhere? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said it, it wasn't tough for me. Obviously, before before the sending-offs, I was really confident playing playing decent, to be mm. fair. Then after the red cards, yeah, it was, it was really difficult for me to... For mentally for me to to come back and play mm. as well as I I know I, I was capable of mm. so your confidence I suppose yeah I, I get I guess you could say that my confidence went but as I say now looking back at it probably the best thing that could have happened to me really yeah just now I'm sh- yeah, I'm just much more mature uh, able to deal with situations differently and yeah, as I said just a better player now it probably just goes to show that nothing beats experience you know mm. you've already gone through that so if you can show you can go for a season that's horrible to be part of, results haven't gone your way. Um, if you can come through that and then carry on and bounce back, then a blip of six games or you know a winless run of a month or whatever it might be, yeah. powers in significance compared to a full season there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. As so. I said, no, just, just eager to keep going here now. You get away for a bit and go across to Holland, big move. Yeah. How did that come about and, and how eager were you to make that, that jump? Yeah, I think obviously after the Sunderland... Sunderland, I just wanted a fresh start mm. somewhere where uh, I would play regularly and um, just build up my confidence again. And I and I had a I started off very well. I had a good first six months, probably better six months the first one than my second. Yeah, obviously, uh, but overall a decent season, playing a lot of a lot of games, had uh, some Europa League experience. So yeah, yeah overall I think uh, it, was a, it was a decent decent uh, decision I made. Mm. Obviously now. Uh, Proving that I can handle the physical test mm-hmm. in the championship and with with Birmingham. Yeah, we, we we spoke to Dan Crowley, who's sitting in that very seat. He said like culturally, initially he found it difficult just dealing with people of a different language, although they speak English yeah. relatively um, frequently everywhere. But did you find it culturally any different? Oh, obviously, yeah, it's just different to England. Obviously, I'm I'm a London boy, so yeah, <laughs> big city lad going on. Yeah, so, so everything's a bit different. But as I said, I was just focused on just playing games. That was my main objective their last season just building back up again and yeah, getting back into the England on 21 squad as well that was something that was big for me so obviously after the Sunderland at the start of the Sunderland season obviously I was at Chelsea mm-hmm. in the first team squad and I wasn't in the in the squad obviously I wasn't playing anywhere yeah. so yeah that was my main focus I wanted to, to be a part of the Euro Championships mm-hmm. so I just needed to keep playing well yeah from a footballing point of view how different is Dutch football compared to England it's, it's a it's I'd say it's a big difference physically. Yeah. See, technically, there's obviously loads of technical, brilliant, like very good players there. Obviously, you've got teams like Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV, mm-hmm. some top top players. Obviously, but then you look to the bottom half of the division, where it's maybe not as physical and as fast tempo as the Championship. But yeah. then you've got the other half of the games are really good games. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was good learning for me. And then you go into the European Championships and then captain as well. It's again another proud moment, big big milestone moment for you. Yeah, big big milestone. But obviously, it's uh, lowered down by the how we performed yeah. in in the tournament. Yeah. Obviously, with the team we had, we felt we could have won it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, everyone was gutted, and it's just not good to finish on our twenty ones tournament, and most of our twenty ones. Perhaps we're too old now to on that which is not good yeah well I mean yeah what when you look at the like you say the squad on paper you'd fancy that as a favourite to, to win any tournament at that level is it just games got away from you when you look back at it 
Yeah, I think obviously up until in the first game we was on top. Then we was unfortunate to to get a red card. Then I think from there uh, we just didn't perform as well as well as we know we could have. Mm. And that's down to to everyone, not one player, not two players. Yeah, we all we all know we should have done a lot better. And yeah, it's just disappointing now we we didn't progress further. There's some talent in that. Mm. That age group, and the, to be fair, in terms of England in general, he's talking about the 17s group as well. You come through with Foden and Hudson Adoys and mm. stuff, and such. I mean, you look at the, the talent coming through at an England level at the minute. You'd fancy that the future is going to be bright, and obviously, you've been a part of that. So, do you see the quality of players around you? Yeah, level? definitely. Obviously, playing with a lot of them through the England ranks, you can see the talents there. It's just about opportunities now. Mm. Players getting the opportunity because the talents there. Mm. Just we just need to be trusted in in playing now. Yeah, um, on to uh, Blues. I know you've mentioned it early on, but when did you first hear about the interest from Blues? And did you have any other options in the in the summer after the back of that? Time? Yeah, I had um, options like abroad and in England. Then, uh, but I spoke to to Pep at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I came to watch the one preseason game, and uh, I just felt Blues Blues fit fit right for me. Obviously, I wanted to play regular games and. Just kick on. Yeah. Where else could you have gone? Just a fifth or even a <laughs> of the teams, but yeah, I've yeah. gone to like a few teams, yeah. But oh. to play to play at championship level though, again, it's another test, it's another step in your career at twenty two years old, mm. now playing regular games in the championship, you've gone through again spells this season where you've been out the team, you've been in a team that struggled to get results and now you're in probably the best runner form mm. we've been under the season. It, I mean, from a development point of view, it again goes to show that young players should probably go out and experience all of this in a season. Yeah, definitely. I think I've experienced a bit of everything. Now. Obviously, <laughs> not playing in the start, injury. Obviously, now in the team, and I feel like I'm I'm doing reasonably well. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy, happy. I'm happy. I'm playing, and such just long may it continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned already the pathway that probably weren't there, wasn't there at, at Chelsea a few years ago. Do you see that changing now? You look at the young players coming through. You Mason Mounts, Tammy Abraham, both being out on loan, Derby and, and at Villa. You've had to go and do the same. Has things changed? Do you think at Chelsea? As you yeah, look at definitely. It? Obviously, you, you can just see what's going on now with all the young players that are playing. Obviously, they're they're top players as well. That's what everyone has to remember. They're not just throwing young players in for the sake of it. They're very good players. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them. Also, I know them or I've played with all of them, so I'm just happy, happy for them. Yeah. When you look at um, the amount of games you play in as well, you know, I think, was it 28 for Vitesse last year? What were we on? Probably set to, to get near 30, I think, if we play, you play the remainder, yeah. Twitchwood, of the season. I think just from a purely appearances point of view, you're then building a portfolio of a 22, 23-year-old centre-back who's played over 100 games for teams it can only bode well for, for when you return yeah definitely obviously that's my aim I just want to play as many games to now to the end of the season and yeah, we'll just see what happens in the summer as well so. yeah I mean we were looking at it last night can there be a better back four in the championship mm. at this level you go man for man as of Max yourself Robbo Peds. and Peds Harley who obviously has come in and out as a, as a club captain as well you've got the competition for places that I mean you've got to be confident I'm amazed that it's October 20 whatever it was since the last clean sheet when you look personnel man for man is there a better back four and I know you're not going to include yourself when you say this but for me you look at the three around you and surely that's got to be as good a back four at this level as as we've seen yeah obviously we've got a lot of good players at this club and yeah you can see in training in the games that 
when we head in the right direction, we keep progressing well, that we're going to be a very, very, very good side in the division, I feel like, obviously with the players we have. Mm. And as, as I said, hopefully now the only way is up. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what hopefully which will happen. From a, a defensive point of view, now Scott Hogan joins the club, he scored three and three. What does he, when you're on the ball, what does he offer you in terms of the options? Because everyone talks about he can stretch it in yeah. behind. Does that free up the rest of the pitch? Yeah, you know? definitely. Obviously, um, if you stretching it behind, the centre-backs are normally drawn to him. So if we hit him, it just creates more space. And also in front of, in front of him, if they're dropping deeper, we'll be able to maybe pick out passes or in between the lines, which, which makes it easier for everyone, really. Yeah, so you've got two options, one in Lukas Jukovic, who does one side yeah. naturally, and, and Scott Hogan, two players who complement each other mm. perfectly. Yeah, I think it's a great balance. Great yeah. balance. And obviously we've got Karim coming back as well, who also gives us an, another another balance. He's a great player as well. Yeah, I mean, this is players seem to be hitting form. Jeremy Bayer now, of course, scoring goals and making assists. Jude mm -hmm. Bellingham last night. I mean, you look at the squad now, confidence is full and good place to be going into to Brentford, as we already said. Yeah, definitely. So. Obviously, we're on, a, we're on a good run at the moment. So, as I said, we just need to keep keep progressing, keep playing well and keep playing confidently as well. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Jake Clark-Salter in his own words. Yeah, I mean, what an impression he's made, uh, particularly since finding his way back into the team, as he mentions, had to be very patient early doors. Mm -hmm. I like his ambition, you know, some people will see it as a negative at the fact that he wasn't happy with not playing, but he's 22 years old, he wants game time, he'd have gone out on loan believing that, that he's purpose, good enough to yeah. play. And I, you don't want to discourage that from a young player. But I've been really impressed. A player naturally gives us the balance of a left footer in there to complement either Mark Roberts or Harley Dean. Mm -hmm. um, ball playing, comfortable with the ball at his feet. Uh, actually, as we talk about, I've been very impressed and surprised actually with how well he's stood up to the physical test because very athletic lad, but not yep. overly muscular. He's very slender because he's quick on his mm -hmm. feet. But he springs up very nice and high and wins his fair share of headers. And, uh, yeah, he's grown into now one of the, the first names on the team sheet and he's forming that part of the back line that we've just praised so highly. Um, you know, he's still very quite shy and not yeah. introvert, but he's very sort of keeps himself to himself mm -hmm. around the place. Uh, you know, he's, I'd imagine very low maintenance for, for Pep and the lads to deal with. And I think Colin Tatum uh, is his opinion that... Um, you don't notice him too often in games, which for a centre half is a plus. Like makes a good referee. That's it. Yeah, do their job. You know, he's not the last stitch challenge. Mm -hmm. He whisks things away from players and puts the cover on because of his pace. So, yeah, good, good to talk to him. It's quite interesting actually, just to you know pick his brains on these the Chelsea bringing. I found quite interesting that you know it, it's quite the process, the transition for young Chelsea academy graduates to go through just not dominating the ball yeah. and winning games as regularly. They can't get their heads around, you know, having to wrestle with, we're not doing that well here. Well, yeah. actually you are, you're just not as dominant as the Chelsea mm -hmm. Academy have been. So yeah, really good to, to hear from Jake. We haven't heard from him too often yeah. this season. I think he's a man who's been shaped as well, hasn't he, by his loan experiences. Bristol Rovers, he spoke about in Sunderland, were of course a slightly tumultuous championship season. Oh, a great word. I know, I know. Two red cards back to back as we touched on. Relegate to the bench after that, but he's changed. He's he's learned from those setbacks. Yeah, that's it. And you know you have to go for adverse adversity because you know it could have scarred a player. You go through that at a young age to go to Sunderland, where it's a hotbed, isn't it? That it's a hotbed of football. Mm -hmm. Everything's about Sunderland Football Club. Um, to go there and be part of a team that really struggled in front of the cameras. A whole documentary is made about the downfall of that season. 
Um, it would have been would have been very difficult for, and quite easy for him to fold, but quite rightly made the decision to go away and concentrate on his football abroad. Uh, it clearly enjoyed his experience in, in Holland, done very well, built his confidence right the way back up. And you can see that now, reaping the rewards. To, to expose himself to that many experiences, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. at 22 years old, I think he'll be, be a top, top player. Right, let's get back up for the cup. Let's talk about Coventry. Uh, first of all, the away <laughs> tie, because we haven't actually had a podcast since then. Um, weird, didn't like it. The whole thing just blurs into one. The only yeah. difference being that the support, yeah, I'm looking we at the Tilton and Cup, yeah, <laughs> and seeing a load of Coventry City fans, which is something I never thought I'd see. Um, Blues were, were great and fine voice, and it was mm-hmm. more or less a 50-50 split, wasn't it, in terms of numbers. Um, but yeah, I don't think either side, I mean, they miss a huge chance yeah, Callum O'Hare, of all people, misses a huge chance as virtually the last kick, mm. last few minutes. But other than that, nothing in the game and we have to do it all over again. We could have just switched ends. Switched yeah, ends, swapped yeah. to a blue shirt. I think both teams felt the same way, didn't they? There wasn't much football being mm-hmm. played. It was a drab game. Uh, the pitch started to look a little tired. Um, so, yeah, I think both would have just rather have had it over and done with after a fixture. But as it was, the drama was yet to come. Do you think... That replay, looking back at it, is part of what's kind of sparked this run. Because to um, to show that character in the face of such a setback, it was 1-0 down with minutes to spare, deep into stoppage time. Yes. I mean, the first equaliser from Harley in the 92nd minute. Yeah, I he think was class. Didn't put a foot wrong, did he, Harley, that day? He was very, very good. Uh, yeah, I do think it's played a huge part to keep the momentum going. Uh, you go 120 minutes plus penalties in a game, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you've won it because it, you've expended so much energy. You don't want to be on the losing end of that. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you're staring down the barrel not once but twice in the game of defeat, but pull their way through somehow. Uh, Harley Dean's certainly more deliberate than Jeremy Bayer's. Yeah, he meant, <laughs> yeah. he meant it. He walked past him. He shouted Well, it was the a picture shot. that Royce Mianich gets of Jeremy Bayer suggests that not even he believed that he was a <laughs> shot. He's, he looks almost apologetic, uh, looking arms aloft. Shrug of the shoulders. Um, but they found a way. And, uh, you know, you talk to anyone in cup competitions, can do that just mm-hmm. to keep you ticking along nicely and give you a break mentally from the league and all the rigours that comes with yep. it. He's made changes as well as any the first uh, fixture. Both teams have made a couple of changes for the second. And, uh, get, you know, Lee Camp to the rescue. Yeah, I was about to say, let's talk penalties. I think that man could stop <laughs> a penalty from anyone in the world. <laughs> so, Middlesbrough, Forest, two in the shootout. Of course, the first one goes in. But my word. Four or five. Unreal, isn't it? Yeah, great character, Lee Camp. I mean, we know him well. He's um, yeah, he's made a name for himself as being a bit of a penalty stopper, and um, they do their homework. Credit yep. to Dan Millard, Pete Shuttleworth, Simon Houston, all the Tom as well, Hadley, all their the work that they do in terms of the the analytical department because they prepare the goalkeepers for penalties. They have a look at, at where players like to go, but even then, you you hear from Lee Camp post match, and he has to make a split second decision mm. if he feels like a player is going to go a different way. He'll make. You know that that decision himself to to change things a little bit, and uh, yeah, he's the hero again. Enjoyed it, didn't he? And uh, the, yeah, what was it? The invasion of the Tilton. Yeah, and the Blues fans running One across. One of the more bizarre sights I've ever seen. <laughs> I know the Coventry City fans and uh, a few of their media were a bit disgruntled by that. Yeah, but well, interesting sight, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, just to see, just to see hundreds of fans scampering across from the the Tilton corner round to 
sorry, the, the cup going around to the Tilton, but it made a difference and uh, Blues penalties were good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just you breathe a, a sigh of relief, but the feel-good factor of then knowing you've got a nice trip to, to Premier League Leicester City where the pressure's off, fantastic away day, and you're through to the fifth round for the first time in eight years. Let's talk about that, Leicester away. I know there's a lot of excitement, particularly among ourselves, to go and work at the King Power. <laughs> um, big, big game. A team that are flying high in the Premier League. Of course, recent champions of the Premier League. Um, it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, but what a fantastic game to look forward to. You're the underdogs. Like you say, you're going to a team who were the champions in recent years. You've gone uh, Leicester still riding high in the mm-hmm. Premier League now. Bags of talent. You're testing yourself against uh, the best uh, in in this uh, the country. So, you know, we're going to take a huge following. They'll enjoy it. It's not a far trip. So, you know, as if you're driving Easy three hours. Week. Yeah, yeah can enjoy a few sherbets before and after. Don't need to worry about a replay. Um, you know, so go there, express yourself and give it a right good go because there's still people who follow the football club who will tell you the one thing they want to see before they kick the bucket is Blues winning the FA Cup. Now, we've seen them lift the major trophy mm-hmm. in our lifetime. There's people that have been supporting this football club much longer than we have who would love to see us lift it. Now, whether we've got the quality to do it, who knows, but let's just give it a right good go at the King Power and, and see what happens. I think that's been one, speaking as a fan now, one of the major kind of bugbears over recent years, isn't it? Looking back to those two quarterfinals in the oh. Premier League days, where we had Portsmouth, two great... Cha- Portsmouth, oh. golden opportunity. They got to the final. This is going to be a bit of a rant now. Um, yeah, you thought that might be our year. Next year, obviously, win the League Cup. You get Bolton in an <laughs> FA Cup quarterfinal. There you go... Another trip to Wembley. <laughs> Might as well just take permanent residence in a hotel. Um, lose that one as well. So, so blues. It's I know, so it blues. still stings though. So I agree. We play Portsmouth the week after in the and league. And then beat them yeah, <laughs> comfortably. And, them. and of course they went down. Yeah, it's um, yeah annoying. But And I think there's a generation of people that still held the FA Cup in the highest regard. This is the competition. The dream is to see your club lift the prestigious oldest club tournament mm-hmm. in world history. And so um, I think we should give it a go. We're in a league predi- uh, position now where our predicament's not as scary as it was going back a month. So go out, enjoy it, give it a right good go, take the game to Leicester, be sensible, but at the same time, how amazing would that be if you can send away a, a sizable away following and book your place in the, the quarters? It'd be amazing. Looking forward to audio commentary, of course, on Blues TV. Now, the FA Cup known worldwide, but... So are Blues, yes. particularly in uh, the southern United States. What a phenomenon this is, spouted out of uh, social media. Of course, one fan picking up on a quite a light-hearted <laughs> chant from our friends at Birmingham Legion in, in Alabama. And then uh, just the floodgates open of interaction between Blues fans. Spiralled Not wildly. only pledging their allegiance to the Legion, up the Legion. but hammering uh, Memphis 901. Yeah. For being their rivals. Hashtag, yeah, SOTM. SOTM. Uh, now <laughs> trending in the area, I'm sure, at certain times in the week. Uh, I'm fully on board. Bit of light-hearted fun. An allegiance from across the pond. A couple of their players have since got involved. Giving um, away signed shirts and everything. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's the sense of humour from Blues fans that I think set us apart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to just watch this... Unbelievable phenomenon snowball over the past week has least brought a smile to my to my face when I'm scrolling through Twitter and stuff. So how far it'll go, who knows? People talking pre-season friendlies. That's the dream, isn't it? 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting ourselves out there instead of uh, yeah, you're the you're the. Can general. we push this through? Yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> sure we're going to get it signed <laughs> off, but um, but yeah, just a, a bit of light-hearted fun, isn't it, between between two sides? And then since you've had other clubs begging well, for FC Tulsa, <laughs> begging for support from hashtag England as well. Pitch pals, I believe we're just trendsetters. We're just trendsetters. We always have been. Always yeah. have been. Got to say, by the way, shout out to those Birmingham Legion fans in Alabama who all signed up to Blues TV subscriptions <laughs> and were watching the Barnsley match. I'm sure they'll be watching on Saturday as well against Brentford. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, we gave them a, a very indirect shout-out, didn't we, mentioning the weather in Alabama. And, uh, yeah, clearly they are tuned in. And uh, not just, you know, supporting on social media, but actually going out of their way to watch the game. I mean, there was a great tweet that I did enjoy. I don't know if you saw the one that said about them winning the MLS Cup in front of 80,000 yeah. sold out stadium in five years or whatever it was, 50 years, to a chorus of Keith right on and then <laughs> a child saying, where did this song <laughs> originate from? Well, actually, it's some really peculiar allegiance with a club, you know, a thousands of miles away. Brilliant. So. I need to get out there to a game. Yeah, Should we do the Derby, and I think it's in it's June, June, it yeah, June against Memphis. Oh, I've looked. It's the off-season. <laughs> it is the off-season. I'm free. I don't know. Listen, Who knows? I've got annual leave Let's take the, the Blues talk... Uh, live from Alabama yeah. <laughs> I'm well up for it if you are listen one dilemma we'd have over there was which Birmingham Legion player would we get to the quick fire questions mm. we've upped our ante for this week well this is the thing quick fire questions is uh, a segment that we usually go and grab a, a player or two but we've gone after the big fish oh yeah we've gone hard the Blues Talk Podcast okay we're in Pep Clotet's office you are our next victim of quickfire questions Pep so we've got a series of questions for you bit of light hearted fun but answer them as honestly as you can uh, Pep what music do you listen to before a game on the way to training or on the way to a football match either either two either I listen to to heavy metal possibly Black Sabbath or Maiden, or I listen to a fantastic present that the Roy Smiljanovic made me. He made me a, he presented me a copy of uh, uh, one of the best jazz albums ever called Kind of Blue from Miles Davis. A mono, in mono, so how it was really recorded. So. Well, yeah, that one, so I made one of those. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant to eat in? With Cadillas. What sort of uh, food do they do they make there? It's a, it's around a, a fifteen to twenty meal course, wow. from food from all over the world with a lot of influence from El Bulli, from Ferran Adrià, and um, with as well a, a, a big course in desserts and 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 drinks appropriate to every every meal and only eight to 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 ten people can eat there so you need to wow. go with your friends, and it, they cook just for you in front of you. It's a very very special thing. Wow. It takes. Four or five hours, but it's a, it's a fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, you're well too cultured for quick fire questions. Uh, what's your karaoke song? If you had to sing one song or your initiation song? My initiation song here in, in <laughs> Birmingham? I, say, I sang um, Changes from Black Sabbath yeah. on a soul version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Favourite movie? It's a tough one because there's many, but if you had to pick just one. Let me. Which and he's on YouTube. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, ideal holiday destination other than your obviously you can't go. Menorca. Been there before? Yeah. Many times. Or anywhere in the Pyrenees. Nice. Or Norway. Ah, 
Never been to Norway. Uh, what's your order from a coffee shop? What coffee do you drink? If the coffee is good, I will order a uh, ristretto or espresso, normally the espresso. If the filter coffee is very good, I will order above everything else, uh, a very good filter coffee, mm. black. Uh, what's the here's a good one. What's the best goal you've ever seen while standing at the side of a pitch? So you could be managing, coaching. You have to have been there. And what's the best goal you've ever seen at any level of football in any country? Has to be a gift and last last season goal. <laughs> <laughs> the Preston one. The Preston. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Have you met? Have you got a sporting hero? And have you met them? No, I haven't met them. Uh, I would say Michael ja- Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He's a regular answer on this feature. Many players go with Michael Jordan. Uh, okay, what instruction do you give to the barbers when they ask how you want your hair cut? Don't do my heading and don't ask me how I want to just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just take some of it off. <laughs> uh, okay, what did you go dressed at as to your last fancy dress party? So the last time you had to dress up at a party, what character or what did you go as? It's difficult for me to answer the question because I've never been a, a fan. Never? No, because I've only seen those here in, in England. Oh, really? It's yeah. not a custom in Spain at no, all? No, Oh, okay, then we'll skip that question. Uh, can you play a musical instrument? Yeah, guitar. Oh, you're good. We need to been see doing this. it for a lot of years. <laughs> <at> <laughs> we, need, we need to see this on Blues TV. Um, how many languages can you speak? What level of proficiency? Let's just say Basic? Basic. Catalan, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. Any English in there? Basic, <laughs> Italian and Portuguese, basic and basic Japanese as well. Yeah? yeah? That's at least five or six. Yeah, plus I speak well, I think I speak all right English. <laughs> A German, yeah, as well. Impressive. Uh, okay, which Hollywood actor would you choose to play yourself if a movie was made on your life? What, there's a bit of Antonio Banderas in there for me. No? We'll have to be Antonio Banderas from Malaga. <laughs> no, or, or I, I really like Al Pacino as well. Oh, yeah, I'll go with Al Pacino too. Um, Favourite pizza topping? What, what pizza would you order? I like two pizzas, the pepperoni one, and, uh, and I like it with tuna, onion and olives. Very specific. Uh, ice cream, flavoured ice cream? Do you have a favourite flavour? Yeah. Nothing chocolate. Anything but chocolate. Yeah, don't oh, like it on, on an ice cream. Yeah, same. Uh, have you? Here's, here's another one. What are the names of all the pets that you or your family have ever owned? So growing up, if you had any pets, what were their names? We, at, as a kid, we didn't have pets at home. Now, um, my um, my missus' dad has a, a little bit of a farm. Yeah. And he has a lot of animals, you know. He doesn't name them though. Yeah, only the horse and and the dog. Because it's stupid to put names to the chickens. Afterwards, <laughs> you've got, you got to eat them, you know. Yeah, you number them. Yeah. Uh, what type of student were you at school? Were you the class clown? Were you the intelligent? Were you the... I always tried to do, I always tried to do the best myself, probably a little bit rebel. Yeah, was you? Yeah, a little bit rebel, but always tried to, to do the best for it. Uh, what's on your bucket list? What do you want to do before you die? One thing. I want to record a good album. <laughs> I would definitely pay to set. We could film that. That'd be a great feature. Really? I'd listen to it. We'll have to. We'll hold you to that. Um, 
Final few. What's the worst item of clothing you've ever worn? You look back now at pictures of yourself and think, what the hell was I thinking wearing that? Yeah, those shirts. Those shirts as a teenager, you remember, that was the, that was the, the time of having really big clothes you know now it's more slim everything yeah. but those oversized yeah oversized yeah oversized nothing with the jeans but with the shirts oh an oversized uh, shirt yeah <laughs> um is there anything uh no, what's what are you most afraid of losing games <laughs> no no um sharks possibly like no, sharks what about the people that get in a cage and they let the sharks swim up to them would you not that doesn't interest you? Not really. Just because you'd be too fearful of them? It's just I don't, don't, don't see the sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the most important question, Pep, because we've had many answers to this last one. What is the best way of eating chicken? Okay, so are you a chicken leg, thigh, breast or wing? And how is the chicken flavoured? Right. Your whole managerial career rests on this question and answer. Look, very clear. <laughs> Breast, no wing, and um, I don't know how you say it in English. In French, in French, we use it as well in Spain. It's called alast. Okay. Uh, that is this chicken that is rolling. Oh, like a rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Okay, and it's what about flavors? Is it spicy? Is it not spicy? Garlic in there? What's the flavor like? Yeah, it has a little bit of uh, plum. And a little bit of uh, uh, olive oil, plum, a little bit of seasoning and thyme as well. Nice. Final question. Have you ever read a book or what's your favourite book? Because I know you've read lots of books. What's the favourite book that you've read from front cover to back cover? Yeah. And uh, I review it many times. Two of them. This one. Phil Jackson. Sacred Hoops. And um, I always have it. And uh, the one that was impressed was uh, a book from Plato called The Republic. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Well, they don't get any bigger than that, Dale. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm thinking we uh, we have a look at our quickfire questions for the new season. and maybe Freshen them up a yeah, bit. Yeah. Because we've been doing those now for a year, it, haven't yeah. we? You know, most people have a... Um, a feel for what the questions are now so we'll have a little revised session on our quickfire segment I do but feel sorry uh, for the first person to take them on though because they're going to be on their toes yeah well you know what I do I also feel sorry for when we ask players if they've read a book from cover <laughs> to cover it seems to be like a tricky I question I feel sorry for everyone with that yeah. question uh, but yeah no it's uh, yeah, a bit light hearted fun it shows a different side of players and, and management staff absolutely Right, let's talk about the FA Youth Cup live on Blues TV. Uh, desperately unlucky night for Blues under-18s against an incredibly strong Wigan Athletics. Side. Yeah, you know what? This is not downplaying Wigan's achievements as a football club, but you don't consider Wigan Athletic to be mm. a powerhouse of academy football or youth products and brought players through during their years. But incredibly impressive performance on the night from Wigan we just never really got started when you're 2-0 down within 12 minutes you've yep. got a mountain to climb and they've done their homework um, got four or five very good players a few internationals in, in there well Geldart's one that you know he's been linked with moves away from Wigan to big clubs big Premier mm. League clubs played 11 times for Wigan uh, in the championship this season made his debut here didn't he yeah uh, uh, along with their central midfielder who also played uh, against Blues 18s. But Paul Cook's under a little bit of pressure there to, to start playing yeah. Gail Hart because um, 
He's got everything. Very stocky build, actually. You could be forgiven for thinking he's not not podgy, but just looks very solid. Yeah, stocky. Yeah, and uh, great feet. I mean, what a finish. I mean, he's whipped one into the top corner that pretty much decides the game and makes it 3-0. Um, so, yeah, not the way you'd want the FA Youth Cup to come to an end because they had a really good run. You think back to, you know, Sunderland was a really good performance. Nine men against mm -hmm. Barnsley was great, but um, just got beaten by a better side on the night. Absolutely. Now onto under twenty threes football, and uh, there's been a familiar face in the lineups. Not under twenty three, is he? This blonde-haired Dutchman. In the well, I mean, he, he looks <laughs> a bit old for it, doesn't he? <laughs> Michael Kiftenbeld, of course. We're talking about uh, Dutch Mike, who is back out there playing competitive football, just for the under twenty threes for now. Forty-five minutes in his first outing, seventy in his second. He's been given this week to rest, so he's trained with the first team all week. No game for him. Great to see him back out there doing what he does best, the, the Dutch destroyer in the middle of the park. Um, and he comes at a time where, you know, we're a little short. David Davis, of course, moving to Charlton on loan. Mm -hmm. Josh McEachern suffering a horrible injury, which will keep him out for any number of months. So Michael Kiftenbell's return to action, hopefully before the end of the season, could come at a good time for Blues. And just from a personal point of view, fantastic to see a real likeable character out yeah. there doing what he loves best. Of course, we heard him on this very podcast last year talking about his rehab. Even then, he was incredibly positive. He's such a likeable person. I think for everyone connected with the club, fans, us, his teammates. You know, what? I think Blues love a, you know, we are what we are. And we love a player who leaves everything out on the pitch. And you can't once come away from a game and say, I'm not sure Kiff gave everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you can forgive shortcomings in other areas. And a central midfielder is never going to start spraying passes, dictating play and turning things around the corner. But he'll smash them on if they have to be smashed. And he'll get around the pitch and cover more yards than anyone out there. So, you know, he still holds a huge value, particularly in the championship. You know, he wouldn't have looked out of place at Barnsley on Tuesday night. Absolutely. It's a game that he'd have gobbled up. The game was up. made for him. Yeah. And you need that because it can't always be pretty and it's not always played on a carpet. So, yeah, he's uh, still going to be an important part of the club. Right. A couple of big games coming up. One game that has potential to be pretty, as you put it. Brentford. On Saturday? Well, it's a Brentford team. We know what they're all about, but they look to have gone up another gear, haven't mm -hmm. they, in recent months, really knocking on the door of the top two now. Uh, they've got goals in abundance. Ben Rama's the player that everyone's looking mm -hmm. at. Uh, he's got the, the sort of Mares about him. I mean, how good was he against Hull the other week? Yeah, I tore him apart, didn't he? That, that could have been a runaway in the first half. Um, you know, lots of quality all over the pitch. Rico Henry, I know well, at fullback, mm -hmm. full of energy. There's players in there that can hurt you, so... On their day, they are one of the best football insides. But as we saw at the first game of the season, when Christian Pedersen headed Blues into the one stat that matters, you know the the one goal uh, lead that Blues have got to be at it, and you've always got a chance, particularly at home and in our run of form. Now, if you're looking at this as a neutral, this is one you'd earmark to try and have a little look at because. Like I say, the the week that we've had, the 10 days we've had, the, the three straight wins and Brentford's form, what they're chasing as well, has all the makings of uh, a fireworks on Saturday. I'm just looking to see now if Christian Pedersen tries to replicate that feat or does he go further? He's you know the what? kind of person who try it. You know what? Christian Pedersen is, uh, is someone who every game on commentary, I find myself complimenting just how consistent he yeah. is now. He's a monster and I'm not just talking about he's a... The way I describe him is he's just aggressive in everything he does mm -hmm. within the laws of the game. So if he has to make a challenge, it's a full-blooded challenge. If he has to burst between players with the ball at his feet, he'll do it the quickest and, and most powerful way that he can. Mm -hmm. uh, if he has to attack a defensive header or an offensive header, he'll launch himself in the way. And 
Again, that's why he adheres himself with the support so much because he's a bit of a lunatic off the pitch. He's a, a, a unbelievable. I mean, what goes on between his ears, God One only of my knows. Favorite ever podcast guest, <laughs> by the way. But and there is a, a bit of Dolph Lundgren about him. But uh, <laughs> well, he's from his cage uh, fighting mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what a, what a guy and his performances this season. I mean, for me, he's been the most consistent player in the squad. Absolutely. But. You know, he might have to plant a few challenges in on Brentford because they're going to be buzzing around his ankles on, on Saturday. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the game. Really looking forward. Very different test to what we saw on Tuesday night at Barnsley. And then, week after, should be a quiet one, um, Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> are in town. Of course, there was a bit of, um, I don't know how to describe it, a bit of a furore around the previous <laughs> fixture with their manager making a few comments about our head coach, added mm. a bit of attention to it. Will they, won't they moments on the touchline? Um, hopefully football is the winner. You've, you've done very well there to just, you know, navigate your way through Safe. some tricky, some very tricky topics in the run-up to this fixture. But, uh, yeah, of course, Gary Monk being back at St Andrews, interesting to hear what sort of reception he gets from the, the blue support, given, as you say, the the talking points off the pitch in the run-up to the game at Hillsborough. Um, like I say, I mean, I just you just love to see Blues win the game. Mm-hmm. I'd love for, for Pep Clotet and for Blues to go and win that game, uh, do the talking on the pitch, um, because as we say, it was a, a fixture dominated by well, the two you know, head coach and manager shake hands and a few unsavoury comments made about Pep Clotet beforehand. Um, the media obviously went to town on it, didn't they? I mean, we're looking at Sky Sports and yeah. you know the It'll national press. press. Next weekend. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we are sitting here on the the next podcast talking about uh, a big three points and uh, and how pleased we are for Pep Clotet. Well, on that note, we uh, we look forward to that one. But that is about all we've got time for this week. We'll be back, hopefully, very shortly after those games that we were mentioning and of course Millwall and QPR away as well two trips down to London but until that next time I've been Callum Denny and I've been Dale Moon and this has been the Blues Talk Podcast the Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning